What is up, guys? I tell you, there's always something, right? Um, but I'll tell you, it's great. It's great to be here. Um, you know, we we have uh, a week's worth of baseball in the books, and um, there there's been some interesting storylines. So, you know, tonight we're going to start breaking it down. We're going to start talking about it, and um, you know, try and. Um, dissect what we've what we found so you know um kind of kind of um <laughs> we you know we, we we've been through um we've been through a lot right we, we we we've seen the um the expected we've seen the unexpected we've seen the known we've seen the unknown we've seen some stuff we thought we knew um but it turned out was false um so it's been interesting so anyway um thursday night's chats fantasy chat Live from on iLogic Media and Draft for Upside, um, you know, I, I, tonight uh, OA unfortunately is going to have to take the evening off. My buddy RC is uh, feeling a little bit under the weather with um, some side effects of uh, his COVID shot. So we're going to take tonight off, but we will be back at it up, fresh, and ready to go next Thursday night at 10. That's our normal time. Um. It, it's always interesting the pivot from draft prep and um, you know uh, making these lists and checking them twice. But now's the time of year when it separates the men from the boys. I love baseball, guys. I mean, I really I love baseball. Um, you know, I I'm not one of these guys that's gonna take time off from a baseball game to go watch the Masters. Nothing against those that do in any way, shape, or form. But if I have spare time, aside from having to do my husbandly duties, you're going to find me either watching baseball or watching highlights to baseball games. Um, I, I just really enjoy doing it. it it's such a, a, um, a, a wonderful time of the year, a year for me. Um, and, you know, I, I, I've always really just kind of delved into – Watching, watching the games from a coach's perspective. And, um, you know, my dad was a coach, and I, I you know, I no longer have him with me. Um, but I, I often think about how much fun he would um, have listening to me every week talk about these players. So, cheers to Pops. These guys that know me know, know him well. Um, he was a good man. First week of baseball. What what have we found out? What are we um what do we expect? The first thing we expected, at least I expected, the pirates. They're awful. <laughs> One of five. Um, you know, I, I kind of talked them up a little bit in the preseason because they seem to be hitting the ball well. Kevin Newman, Adam Frazier, um, Gregory Polanco, all those guys started out the spring hot. They have flopped on their face in the first week of the season. We all knew they were going to be bad, but if um, these three guys can't produce offensively, they're going to be really bad because their pitching isn't very good. Um, the, the guys that are doing well for the Pirates right now, Reynolds, Moran, and Evans, um, you know, aren't doing enough to carry the load. and. You know, it really was a big 
club in the head for them to lose Brian Hayes after hitting an opening day home run to lose Hayes, um, you know, certainly was a, was a big blow. And, um, Hopefully they get him back in the lineup soon because he's a big part of that offense. Even though he is a rookie, they expect him to produce a lot. What else did we ex- have we expected? The Cubs. They can't hit. And they're awful. <laughs> three and three. Um, they broke out of their slump a little bit today, but it's been really tough watching this team. Um, the running jokes on Facebook. Um, talk about, you know, all pitchers batting average being at 144. And before today, the Cubs team batting average was 132. So collectively, pitchers in the league are doing better than the Cubs offense has thus far this year. Um, they did break out of it a little bit today. Uh, Bryant, Rizzo, and, and Baez all hit home runs. So hopefully, you know, maybe, maybe they can start to turn that corner because their pitching isn't very good. Outside of Hendricks, um, I have very little faith in Davies, Arietta, or uh, especially Alice Allay. Um, all the all three of those guys, again, Arietta looked pretty good today. Um, ha- have me wondering how good that team's going to be. Um, and, and the answer, when I work it through my brain, is not very. Another expected, the Dodgers. They're basically an all-star team. Um, you know, the thing about the Dodgers is they're just so dang deep. Um, they, they, they bring in, you know, Trevor Bauer, and all he does is go out and strike out 10 Ten batters each of his first two starts. Yeah, it's not been great. His ERA has been a little bit inflated at 4.15. But um, at the end of the day, I'm not too worried about that. If he continues to um, strike out double-digit batters, I think the rest of that will come. I'm not worried about Bauer. The thing for me that's been interesting, it seems to me that Dustin May has overtaken Julio Arias for that number three spot number four spot, excuse me, um, in that Dodgers rotation. Uh, and, and really, he looks like he might be an ace in the very near future. Excuse me. Um, I, you know, his stuff is um, is that of a frontline starter. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where they slot him in um, as they move forward. Um, because anybody throwing a hundred miles an hour, if they start to get pinpoint control, um, that they, they don't need to be sitting in the four hole at anybody's rotation. Dustin me to me, Dustin May. It is disgusting, Dave. Thanks for joining me. Um, the, D- Dustin May to me seems to be um off of many of these teams' radars because I think people think about you know um. Obviously, Urias first. I think they think about, um, you know, uh, Gonsolin contesting still um, uh, May. And, and you know, even David Price to a certain extent challenging May. That's just not the case. If anything, I would say that May might challenge Bueller for that number three spot in the very near future. He has that kind of stuff. Um, and, and that really is a turning point for me for the Dodgers. That turns them 
You know, everybody knew about Bauer. I expect them to have um, a few off games, right? I don't expect for him to have the type of year that he had last year, but I don't think he has to. Um, you know, I, I feel like you're you're going to get these stints with uh, Kershaw and uh, Bueller where they're going to want to rest them or need rest. So, you know, I think Gonsolin or Price might get in there for a few games that way. Um, but but really, I, I, I feel like this is a four-man rotation with um, with Urias being that slot in fifth. Um, the Dodgers are tough to deal with. So, But we knew that. that that's not – that's not news, right? The the thing that is interesting to me about the Dodgers is they keep finding these guys, um, and I don't have his name in front of me, the, the utility player. Um, I want to say Zashany, but that's not it. Um, McKinstry. You know, they bring these guys in, and he's just they continue to produce. So um, the Dodgers are tough. They're going to be tough for anybody to beat. AR or NL. Um, the last expected, James Paxton's hurt again. Unfortunate. 24 pitches into the season. Looks like it's not great news. Um, forearm strain to me screams Tommy John. Um, you know, for those of you that aren't, are, are kind of new to fantasy baseball, Forearms issues are always bad issues for pitchers. Um, it never ends well. So hopefully he can come back later in the season, but it sounds like he's going to miss a good bit of time. <laughs> Last expected. And then we'll move to the unexpected. Saves are so arbitrary. Every year, you know, I'll give you an example. Going into the season, everybody was high on Jordan Hicks. He was a high pick. Everybody was certain he was going to be the closer in St. Louis. Opening day or day before opening day, St. Louis announces Alex Reyes is going to be the closer. Well, Alex Reyes is basically free in most leagues, most normal leagues. I mean, the, you know, the, the ones that count holds probably not, but um, I'm in a league uh, that's uh, a roto league that doesn't have holds. So, totally free and available. Here's someone went out and spent a ninth or 10th round pick on Jordan Hicks, get right up to the day before opening day. And they announce Reyes is the closer and I get him for free. It's such a, um, it, it, it's, it's such a crapshoot. And, you know, you look at it already, Jose Leclerc, Jordan Hicks, Kirby Yates, Trevor Rosenthal, Nick Anderson. Heck, that's just the guys I can think of, honestly. Um, I sat there and watched Anthony Basketball save today. Man, that was frustrating. And he wasn't much draft. I mean, you could get him late. How about the expect unexpected? What's what's been going on that we did not anticipate? A lot, right? First thing that comes to my mind: the injuries. As unfortunate as it is to talk about, uh, you look at some of the biggest name young stars in the game are out. 
Tim Anderson, Kettle Marte, just last night. Eloy Jimenez, Fernando Tatis now looks like he might be out for an extended period of time. It's a concern. It's a concern because, you know, again, we're starting about a month and a half earlier than we started last year. Hopefully it's not a growing trend. Guys get into game shape fairly quickly. Um, but I don't think that's all of what it is either. Yeah, here you have these cold weather games, and these guys, you know, um, boy, you know the the um, the Jimenez injury was unfortunate. It was a hustle play, trying to get the ball going out of the park. Um, I, I I I feel like, and I'll talk about him a little bit later. A part of maturity is learning how to know. when to take your chances. You look at a guy like Byron Buxton, finally looks like he's starting to break out. Does he have the wherewithal mentally to not make that crazy diving throw or uh, catch in the, going into the fence that puts him out for two balls? That's what all of these kids, for the most part, um, have encountered where they're hustling trying to, you know, uh, overexert themselves early on in the year, and now it's costing them significant time each case. Hopefully it's not a trend, but I feel like it might be. Um, the next unexpected, the Cincinnati Reds. Five and two. First place in the NL Central. Naquin and Castellanos each hit their fourth homer of the season on Tuesday. Indy has 10 RBIs through his first sixth game. That's the fifth most of any player all time. Cassianos leads the league in pretty much every category. Nine runs scored, MLB lead. Total bases, 24, MLB lead. Home runs, four, tied for the MLB lead. Slugging, 1.130. MLB lead. There's a bunch more of them. You get the point. Tyler Naquin really likes Cincinnati, guys. Here's a great scenario. We're talking about a guy. I compared it to Scooter Jeanette a couple years ago. Scooter Jeanette wasn't a great player. But he understood what it meant to play in Cincinnati and how to play it differently. Naquin could have a really big, quiet year in Cincinnati in Great American Small Park. He's Again, he's not a high-talent guy, he, but he is a high-capable guy. And that's important to take note of. Guys, he hit a ball out of Great American Ballpark last night. Out, not out of the park. 454 feet. Maybe he falls off. I've picked him up in a couple of my leagues because maybe he doesn't fall for another month. 
maybe he hits 25, 30 homers in that park. Now, the one concern I have is what happens when Shogo's fully healthy. But it seems to me there's always an injury issue in that Cincinnati outfield. So there's always pretty much a place for for um, for Naquin to fit in. I don't think playing time is going to be an issue in that outfield for Tyler Naquin. Last unexpected, for me anyway. There are others, but um, the Baltimore Orioles. Five and two in first place in the AL East. First place in the AL East. To me, this story's really been all about Trey Mancini. Um, I, you know, it's been really nice seeing him get, um, <laughs> seeing him get all the ovations and everything. Um, but but on top of that, it's also nice to see him get get to produce a little bit. Um, and and you know, not to be out, not to be forgotten about, as John Means looks like an ace in this um, in this rotation. And they need that because a lot of their pitching is probably a year or two away still. So need they need that anchor in the front end. Rich, welcome. Um, I am currently drinking Starlight Single Barrel Hubers. I just finished it off, actually. Trying to empty out the bad hab- habit cabinet. Um, it's pretty good. It's, it's not one of my favorites, but it's what I drink again. I'm getting re- ready to move on to Zeppelin Bend out of... Somewhere in Michigan. New Holland, Michigan. So, who knows if these teams will live up to expectation. I have a feeling both of these teams are for Michael. Fool's gold. But you never know. They're playing well so far. And um, maybe they can continue it. Listen to Chaps Fantasy Chat, Thursday nights at 8. It's brought to you by iLogic Media and Draft for Upside. Um, You can also find me at Chaps Fantasy Sports Group and River City Media. Come listen to all the content. Really good stuff going on there. Um, Soon to be some big news happening, so stay tuned for that. Also, another uh, angle tonight at 10 o'clock is going to be um, called off. We'll resume next Thursday. We'll have a lot of NFL draft talk to talk about. Um, I'm quite positive. Of it. So we've talked some about the expected and the unexpected. Let's pivot just a little bit. And let's turn it to who's impressed. Um, Zeppelin Ben from, from Holland, Michigan. It's also pretty good. Um, my cousin up in South Bend runs Citywide Liquor, and um, he gets uh, often local distilled um, bourbon and whiskey. So um, I got some of it. I had a smaller glass of single barrel. It didn't ma- last much longer or very long. This has lasted a little bit longer. So it's tasty. It's pretty good. Uh, Starlight's uh, Indiana bourbon. So, so who's impressed? First off, I, 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 any conversation about who's impressed has to start for me anyway with Shohei Otani. Um, we've all heard the stats. You know, we all listen to the same stuff about the 115 mile an hour homer and throwing 100 miles an hour. That's that's impressive. 
uh, granted. Uh, but but the real impressive thing to me is he did what he did with two pitches. He hasn't found control of his slider, or his cutter yet. Or I, I mean, and those two pitches are devastating pitches. If you have a chance to go out and acquire Shohei Otani, whether it's as a single player or a dual player, whether it's as a hitter or as a pitcher, you, I'm highly suggesting that you do it. Um, as a pitcher, you're looking at a guy who is a four-pitch pitcher who, you know, he's he's rusty. He, he's coming off of um, injury, and uh, it, it's it's he's going to have – but his, his pure stuff, his slider is absolutely filthy. And he can throw from different slot angles, so it never looks the same. Um, when he gets that cued down to where he can command it, he'll be the best pitcher in the game. At the plate, he looks like a determined player. He looks like when Joe Madden lets him hit when he pitches, like every time he's going to go out there and prove why that's a good decision. I'll be interested to see how many home runs he hits on games that he pitches this year. I'll bet you it's double digits. People forget he's in the 96th percentile sprint speed in the major leagues. So, so my question for Shohei, I have two. Does he play enough of the outfield to qualify as an outfielder? Because if he does, that adds just another layer of versatility to his profile, to his already valuable profile. And, and not only that, it just shows um, his confidence growing. Is he? he he's he's. He knows he's capable of doing it, and Madden trusts him doing it. I think all that comes early on this year. The other question I have about Shohei is, Shohei, is how much does he run? Um, because I feel like he's – we've not seen his full potential yet. I think 14 was his career high. I've, I think he's a 20 stolen base guy. And if he's a 20 stolen base guy, I don't think it's too much of a reason to say he's a 30 home run guy. And even if he doesn't hit his 300, let's say he hits 280. 280, 30, and 20. Then you throw in. Let's say 15 starts. And he goes 10 and 2. You're talking about a guy who's changing the way we play fantasy baseball. That's a first overall type of pick next year. If he can live up to those expectations. I think he can. 
Go make a bid on Shohei. Player two, most impressive so far for me. I love doing this stuff. I love doing it. I look for things. I look for distinct changes. And when I see a distinct change, I jump all over it. Doing a little research today on J.D. Martinez. Last year, lost in all the shuffle of the pandemic, MLB decided to take away um, video replay in the dugouts. J.D. Martinez opposed this vehemently. Loudly. And it showed. He, it affected him. Um, this year, MLB decided to bring back video in the dugout. J.D. is scorching the ball, guys. Scorching the ball. We forget how good of a player J.D. Martinez is. How good of a hitter J.D. Martinez is. That's the important thing. If you look what he did, look what he's done so far this year. 444, six doubles, two homers to go with the 1.04 or 1.401 OPS. He's had an extra base hit in each game this year, and you got him. In the ninth or tenth round. You got to be happy if you got J.D. Martinez in the draft. Now, my question about J.D. Because we all know how good he's been. What is a 33-year-old J.D. Martinez's projection? Let's go back to 2019 and look at that and kind of use that as a measuring stick. 304, 36 homers, 105 RBIs, and 98 runs. I I feel like if he can stay healthy and – if the Red Sox continue to play well as they have so far this season. Then J.D. can approach those numbers. Maybe a little less, but in the ballpark. I'm thinking 30 homers. I'm thinking 100 ribs. I'm thinking 90 runs. That's a great deal. For a ninth or tenth round pick. The question is, does he have the protection around him? And that's a big question. I saw Devers hit a home run today. He's starting to get going. He's been really cold to start the year out. Christian Vasquez has been really hot. Looks like a really... um, Underrated catcher this year. 
wish I had more shares of them. I do have a couple. I think Boston's offense is legit. We'll see if they're if their pitching can hold up. Their bullpen might be a bit suspect. Third player suppressed me. That I've talked about almost every week, but I'm gonna take another opportunity to talk about him today. It's Vladimir Guerrero. Again, talking about changes. Guerrero lost 42 pounds over the offseason. Um, interesting, been watching a lot of Blue Jays games. It was it seems like he was told to lose weight. Um, talk about in um, the, the offseason meetings, they said, you know, you'll never be the hitter that you want to be if you continue to be overweight. So he took that to heart, worked out with the trainer, um, played in the Dominican Summer or Winter League, lost 42 pounds. And he talks about his um, hand quickness and his um, athleticism at the field. His hand quickness inside the box. Vladimir Guerrero is a league-leading type talent. He can lead the league in the average. He can lead the league in homers. He can lead the league in RBIs. All he has to do is be his best himself, and I think he's trying to do that. Fun fact. Since the StatCast era began in 2015, Giancarlo Stanton has hit the most recorded hits over 118 miles an hour with 18. Aaron Judge sits second with 10. Third on that list is Vladimir Guerrero. Pause to let that sink in. Since 2015. Guerrero didn't debut to 2019. Since 2019. Guerrero is actually tied with Stanton for the most. Balls hit over 118 miles an hour. Don't ask, I don't know. Interesting fact here is the difference here, potentially in the very near future, is the contact rate. The K rate, the strikeout rate. Um, Stanton's K rate, 28.1%. Judge's K rate, 31.4%. Sorry, someone hit a home run for the Astros. I think it's Correa. Vladimir's 17% strikeout rate as a 22-year-old kid. Correa just hit a home run for the Astros. Um... That's telling in a bunch of different ways for me. One, when this guy figs it, figures out his launch angle, he could hit 50, 60, 70 homers in a year. And he can do that while carrying a high batting average. That's the difference between Stanton and Judge and Guerrero.
question for me at hand for Vladimir Guerrero. What does a Vlad breakout, breakout look like? What do we expect this year out of Guerrero? What do I expect? And I had to think about this for a second. I really do believe he's over 300 this year. I think he falls just shy of hitting 40 homers this year. And I think he drives in about 120 runs. But more importantly, I think Toronto wins with him. Next guy who's impressed me. Byron Buxton. Here's a guy, like I talked about earlier, about the injuries. Here's a guy who, you know, was so hell-bent on being the best defensive center fielder that he got lost in what really his value was. Last year, Byron Bucks had seemed to start to get it. Um, he slugged eight homers in his last 14 games last year. He hit 280 over that span. And he's picked up right there to start this year. Actually, he's produced even more. So on opening day, he blasts a 456-foot homer, the longest of his career. A couple days later, he hits the hardest ball he's ever hit in his career. At 114 miles per hour, a double off the wall against, I can't remember who it was. And then, after battling the flu for a couple days, he came in and proceeded to hit a 451-foot homer. I saw he hit another homer tonight. Something tells me you're going to hear that a lot this year out of Byron Buxton. Longest summer he's ever hit, the hardest hit he's ever hit. They talk about his off-season workouts. Six days a week, two-a-days. It seems that it's working for him. Um, now... Does he have the discipline to avoid diving into the wall and make a great defensive catch? That's yet to be seen. If he has, if he understands that the real value is him being on the field, you might be looking at an MVP type of player in Byron Buxton. He may never hit over three. And that's fine. But what he can do is hit 30 homers and steal 20 bases. 
hit in the middle of that lineup, drive in a bunch of runs, and carry a high enough average that he's a help in that department in your leagues. Bucks is a big part of what Minnesota is doing this year. He's really looks as though he's coming into form. Took the day off. I had an eye appointment, so I got to watch a lot of baseball today. I watched uh, just added this last. Um, impressed me, um, and you know, again, I, I've seen, I've watched Corbin Burns pitch twice now this year, and both times I've walked away really impressed with um, with what he's shown. Pitched a one hitter today. And, you know, in all honesty, it could have been a no-hitter through seven. Um, Christian Yellow should have caught that ball, hit it off of his glove. Corbin Burns, to me, he's a a matchup nightmare for hitters because he's added this sudden command, and he's able to pitch to both sides of the plate. I, I feel like Burns is on the cusp of being a starting pitcher one. And maybe some of your novice players might not realize that yet. They might just see, hey, he's had two good starts. Fact of the matter is, he throws a cutter at 96 and a sinker at 98. And he's got a slider that's 86 miles an hour. Now, you might say so what? Well, if you look at his whiff rate for the year, his whiff rate on a slider this year is 80%, 80%. And his, his whiff rate on his change is 60%. His whiff rate on his, um, sorry, I, don't know, I think it's his cutter, is 39%. 39% is really good. Really good whiff rate. 80, 60, and 39. His third pitch is 39% whiff rate. I drafted Brandon Woodruff in a couple leagues thinking he was Milwaukee's ace. I don't have any shares, unfortunately, of Corbin Burns. But I feel like he's the ace of this staff. Chef's Fantasy Chat is brought to you by iLogicMedia.com and Draft for Upside. You can find me at Chaps Fantasy Sports Group on Facebook, at Chaps Fantasy Chat on Twitter, River City Media. Support the podcasters. We've got a b- bunch of great guys. Um, look for some big things coming up out of this group. A lot of ambitious folks who know their sports and other things. Let's move. Let's move to breakout candidates. Because this is always fun these first couple weeks, figuring out. What's up, Randall? Next week, we're back on, buddy. You and me. Talking some NFL football. 
Breakout candidates, Randall. The first guy I want to talk about, and it's interesting. I'm watching the 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 Cardinals today. Nolan Arenado hits a game-winning homer, and I think the eighth or ninth. Um, but it's got me thinking about Ryan McMahon. Everybody wants to paint these Rockies as cellar dwellers. As a poorly run organization. And maybe they got to wear some of that. Maybe they do. But I think there's a little bit of craftiness going on here in Ryan McMahon. I feel like they saw this kid was ready to, to take his own. And all he needed is the opportunity. I see the, um, the Rockies seeing an opportunity to move McMahon into Arenado's spot and get comparable production out of him at a much lower price. And I think that's what they've done. You know, McMahon's one of those guys who hasn't, you have to project a little bit. But I feel like we're looking at a season where he's getting everyday playing time at his natural position where he could hit 30 homers. He could hit 270, 90 runs and 100 RBIs. And he, he'll do so relatively quietly because everybody's going to want to talk about C.J. Krohn. Everyone's going to want to talk about Trevor Story. Everyone's going to talk about Charlie Blackman. Ryan McMahon's going to be the guy that the name that's lost in that group. And I feel like he'll absorb a lot of the blow of, of, of losing a guy like Arenado. Nate Lowe. What a difference a change of scenery makes. Lowe announced his presence with authority upon his arrival in Arlington. Two homers on Thursday night. He's accumulated 14 over RBIs over his first five games of the year. Only Chris Davis has more in his first five games of the season. Had 17. He looks like the everyday first baseman, people said he was in a position battle with Ronald Guzman. I think he settled that argument. And I think the biggest takeaway from this is he can really benefit from another power hitter with the credibility of Joey Gallo. This Rangers offense is sneaky potent. David Dahl was a sneaky good pickup for them. Gallo, Lowe, Solak. I think Leody Tavares comes along as the year goes along. He's definitely struggling right now. It's an interesting team. 
Dane Dunning, Rob. <laughs> um, this guy came over in the Lance Lynn trade. I watched him the other night. His numbers don't pop off the table from a stat cast perspective. But what they do, what they don't do is they don't explain how hard he throws the ball. Dunning throws a heavy ball. And I'll tell you, he looked a little bit like Lance Lynn out there the other night in a Ranger uniform. I think it's a good pickup. Um, I, I've picked him up in a couple leagues. What he did the other night is he, he, he kept the ball low and he moved the ball inside and outside. If he can continue to do that, you know, he had a pretty good year last year. He had a 3.97 ERA with seven starts and 35 strikeouts and 34 innings pitched. A 1 1 whip. I mean, you're talking about a guy who wasn't overwhelmed when he was brought up last year and now is being put in a place of trust. And he comes out and responds with a really good game. His stuff is phenomenal. He's unique because, again, he's lanky. He's, you know, the ball gets on you quick. It gives you a different vantage point coming in there. A few other guys that I'm going to get off of here. Um, you know, I'll tell you. Akil Badu, it, it's hard not to mention this guy. Um, I I, I got to admit I'm still a little bit skeptical on him, but maybe there's a little fool's gold there. But he certainly isn't one of those guys to me um, who just goes away. He, there seems to be just too much talent there for him. Um, again, the fact that he has never played advanced minor league ball and he comes up and you know basically lights the world on fire – um, I, I feel like he at least has some future with the Tigers. Your mean Mercedes, on the other hand, I'm a little bit skeptical, although I do feel like with uh, Jimenez out, he sees a good bit more playing time. I feel like he kind of falls off a little bit. But, you know, the, the biggest takeaway is it's important to do this this exercise early on in the season, because it never fails. There are guys out there that you don't have your eyes open to. Tyler Naquin's a perfect example for me. I only picked Tyler Naquin up because I had an outfield position um, that I was sick of carrying dead weight with. So I picked him up in a couple leagues, and now you know I'm planning on giving him a couple weeks because he's earned it. So sometimes these guys play a big part in your in your season, other times they're just pickups for a couple weeks and you drop them. 
Uh, either way, if they help you win one week or one category even, it could very well be worth it. So make sure you keep an eye on these guys early on in the season. We'll continue to do that next week as we start to hone down on um, real versus expectation. So before I jump off of here, again, OA tonight is postponed. Uh, get, get my boy Randall back to full health. We'll be back next week talking some NFL drafts. Chaps Fantasy Chats, Thursday nights at 8. Brought to you by Draft for Upside and iLogic Media. Make sure to go out and find all of us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, what have you, um, as soon as possible. Like and subscribe. Support all the other podcasters on this network. There's a bunch of great content coming out of this site. Um, Thank you, guys. I'll see you guys again next Thursday, two times. Take care.